How many believe life is better with Jesus? Come on, I'll say that again. How many believe life is better with Jesus? I love the lyrics of that song. Even when my world is shaken, he's still in control. How many have got some shaking going on in their life right now? Uh, there's some shaking going on all over the place, but God's in control. He's for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? God's on your side. Isn't that good news this morning? God's on our side. This morning, I, I want to talk about faith. And I've been walking with Jesus for a number of years. In fact, I was trying to work it out. You know, I said the sinner's prayer at the age of three. <laughs> Didn't really know what I was saying. Had an encounter with God when I was eight. That, that's when it really began to make sense. And so I was working out. That means, you know, 36 years, you know, walking with Jesus. And, and I still can't say I've got this faith thing down. I'm growing in my trust and my belief. You know, I think I understand it to, to a degree, but still it's this everyday journey that I've got to walk out. How many would be with me right there? They would go, man, hey, I've been walking with Jesus a while now, but still this faith thing, this faith thing, you know, gets my head, you know, all messed up sometimes. How, how do I just trust? How do I just believe in Jesus? This morning, I, I want to talk about the attitude of faith. The attitude of faith. The attitude of faith is confidence. Is confidence. Now, I've known what it is to live with confidence and live without confidence. And I, I know what I like to live with. Confidence is a good thing. Confident. And I like what Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1. You can take your seat in a moment, but not yet. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Uh, listen to this. It says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will what? He will, he will complete it. Turn to your neighbor and say, You can be confident this morning that God will complete it. He's going to complete it. If he started it, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many know God began something good as shouts? How many would testify that God did something amazing in their life at Shout Conference 2018? So many miracles. God spoke. So, uh, revelation. Just been in that atmosphere. God, God started something. Uh, the question is... A week later, has he stopped it? It hasn't stopped. You know, I've got my voice back. Thank you, Jesus. But, you know, if he started something, if he started something, he's going to complete it. And here's the deal. You can be confident today that that wasn't a one-hit wonder. That wasn't a fluke. What God revealed to you in a moment wasn't just for that moment. But God did something in your life that He might set something in motion and He may complete that which He has revealed. If you believe that, I just want you to throw your hands in the air right now because I believe God's going to release a spirit of confidence. The attitude of faith is confidence. He's going to release a spirit of confidence into people's hearts and lives. That's what, that which He's revealed to you will come to pass. And God, we honor You. Lord, we honor Your Word this morning. I pray, let it come and speak into our souls.
Lord, I thank you, it's a discern of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And I pray today it would lift us higher in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have every right to be confident. You have every right to be confident. Every right to walk with confidence. confidence. Okay, if you got your Bible, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Now, now this scripture I'm going to read out, this chapter is loaded. It's loaded. So uh, there's so much in it, and hopefully we're going to be able to unpack it in our time together. Listen, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, it says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So, so here's the deal. There's a reward for having confidence. So don't throw it away. It will be richly rewarded. Here it goes on. It says, you need to persevere, though, so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. He will not delay. It will come to pass. You know, a lot of what the world calls confidence, I believe, is compensation. In fact, a lot of what you see on social media, you know, people can look at it, well, they're confident, but actually it's compensation. They're compensating for a lack that's on the inside, and so they need to post something externally so people think this of them. They believe this of them, but there's a lack on the inside. It's not confidence, it's actually compensation. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about having a God confidence, because in, in the end, He's the only one who will not be shaken. You know, everything in our life can be messed up. But, but God is the same. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And here, the, the writer of Hebrews is talking to a group of Christians. And what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to reconstruct their confidence. Uh, they're in the midst of a crisis. In fact, they're getting persecuted. And many of them were running to their homes and, you know, scattering but here the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, you, you have a reason to be confident. And in fact, in the midst of a crisis, don't throw away your confidence. And here, what he's trying to get them to do is he's trying to get them to focus on Jesus. How many know when you focus on Jesus, you have the ability to walk on water? Come on, how many want to walk on water in their Christian life? How many want to do the supernatural? You know, I don't know about you. I don't want to just do hard often say as Christians, we're not called to do hard. So many people in life are just doing hard. Oh, this is hard, life's hard. We're not called as Christians to do hard. We're called to do the impossible in Jesus' name. And God wants us as believers, He wants us to walk on water. He wants us to walk on top of what others sink in. See, the fact that you have Jesus living in your life means that when you go through a crisis, you, you don't respond as others respond. When you focus your attention on Jesus, you can walk on top of the things that others sink in. And here the writer of Hebrews is, is simply establishing the supremacy of Christ. Uh, what does that mean? It just simply means He's better. The supremacy of Christ is Christ is better than what? Than anything. He's better. You know, if you're up against him 
and you're up against, uh, you know, in the end, he wins. Christ is better. Do I get a witness this morning? Christ, you know, it's sin. For us to sin, for us to go outside of God's boundaries and borders, it's simply to say, Christ, you are not enough. That's what we're saying when we don't live according to God's ways. We're saying, you know, I need that and Christ. Uh, but, but, but when it comes to Christ and, and Jesus, He's better than anything that the world has to offer. Come on, He's better than material possessions. Come on, He's better than winning lotto. Until I get an amen. Yeah, come on, He's better. Christ is enough. I don't know if we need to sing the song, but Christ is enough for me. And the writer of Hebrews is establishing the supremacy of Christ. See, see, here's the deal I found in life. You can lose a lot of things in life and get them back if you keep your confidence in Christ. You know, many, many people lose some stuff and they fear they'll never get it back. But, but when you've got Christ in your life, you can have a confidence that something better is coming your way. That God's going to restore or He's going to give you something better than you had in the first place. Come on, how many believe that? Come on, if you've lost some things today, you know, some of you, oh, will I ever get it back? Well, here's the deal. You may not get it back, but God, here's the thing what God does. If He's not going to give you back what you lost, you're going to get something better in Jesus' name. Because God is better. Christ is supreme. You know, uh, when it comes to your call, your destiny, your purpose, one thing you've got to understand about your call, as Paul said in, in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, he says, the gifts and the call of God is irre- irrevocable. It's, it's irrevocable. Now, here's the deal. The devil can't take your calling. He can't take your calling. You can be away from God. It, it doesn't matter. The gifts and the call of God is irrevocable. You you may have done some stuff, but God hasn't changed His mind. God God hasn't changed His mind. He doesn't change His mind when we lose our way. Come on, that should be comforting for a whole lot of people this morning because there's been times where we lost our way and we think, oh, well, God's plans change. No, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Uh, So here's the deal. Since the devil can't take your calling, what he'll do is he will attack your confidence. Because if he can get you to give him your confidence, he can keep you from functioning in your calling. So the call hasn't changed. You know, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't even matter what you've done this week. God's call for your life is the same. He hasn't changed his mind when it comes to your purpose and your destiny. See, see, see you've got to understand this. See, if he can sow doubt in your mind, and if he can get you wavering, if he can cause you to hesitate, how I many know hesitation has brought about many awkward moments? You know, it's like you've got to own the moment, as Carl Lentz would say. It's about seizing the moment, taking the moment. But so often we're in a place because we're not confident, we hesitate. And in the end, we don't own that moment. And it's simply because we lack 
confidence. In fact, James goes on and says, he says, a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. Now, here's the deal. When it comes to faith, we need to have the attitude of confidence where we don't hesitate, where we don't second-guess ourselves, where we don't, oh, I don't know, you know, and we waver between two opinions. Come on, we can be confident that feeling that we have on the inside. Come on, we're going to believe that that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. That, that feeling we had at Shout. You know, that wasn't just any old feeling. That was God's hand on our life, telling us that we're called and we've got a destiny and we've got a purpose bigger than ourselves. Come on, how many believe that this morning? To see, the enemy will get you sick and guessing, doubting yourself, wavering. You know, it's like, oh, well, previous generations have believed that. They didn't see it come to pass, and we're no different. You know, the enemy will go, who are you to believe that? Who are you after what you've done? You know, what makes you think you can accomplish that? You're no different. And, and what the enemy's out there to do, he's out there to strip you, strip you of your confidence. So you can have a great calling, but if you've got no confidence, you're, you're like a car with no gas. Uh, You've you got all the equipment, but there's no power to move you forward. It's like you've got all the gear, but you've got no game. And, and as a believer, you know, faith, this attitude of confidence is the key to apprehending your, your destiny. You know, it is, when it comes to confidence, you've got to understand, confidence is the natural byproduct of salvation. I, I'll say that again, because many of us will say, well, I'm saved, but I haven't got confidence. But, but, but no, confidence is the natural byproduct of salvation. You know, the whole context of the, the, the gospel is confidence. If it doesn't make you more confident, it's not the gospel. You know, the, the gospel shouldn't send you away feeling crap about yourself. Uh, come on right now. That's religion. That's legalism. When you encounter the gospel, you should be more confident. You, uh, you find a godly confidence that's not found in your flesh. It's not found in your abilities or your achievements. See, that's earthly confidence. You know, it's how we look like, what we've achieved. You know, if we're achieving, we're confident. But if we fail, we lose our confidence. You know, godly confidence is centered in who God is. Worldly confidence is fleeting. So, like Tim Keller said, you know, if success goes to the head, failure will go to the heart. When success goes to the head, failure will go to the heart. And so many people are up and down in their walk with God. They have confidence. They lose confidence. In that. It's because all their confidence is based on their achievements and their accomplishments. Things going well. I'm confident. Shoulders back, chest out, walking up. Hey. But the moment we make a mistake, 
The moment we fail, it's like we're sheepish. And, and that, that's not godly confidence. That type of confidence is fleeting. It'll come and go. But when you've got a godly confidence, even when you fail, your confidence is not in your ability. It's in the finished work of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. It's in His goodness. It's in His plan and His power in your life. Come on, that's good news this morning. Come on, if you believe it, let's give God a big clap of praise. Come on. Our confidence this morning is in Him. Here's the deal. My confidence today is not in my good ideas. My good ideas will not change your life. My confidence is in the Word of God. See, God doesn't anoint my good ideas. He anoints His Word. And without the Word of God, this is going to suck. It may get you up and buoyant for a moment, but it's not going to be lasting. It's not going to change your life. And that's why, you know, I'm preaching this morning. You know, I'm going, oh, well, I wonder how this will go. Well, I know it's going to go well. Do you know why? Because it's the Word of God. And the Word of God is powerful. And my confidence is in His Word and in His power, not my own strength. Come on, you're hearing me this morning. Uh, if you're going to boast, boast in the cross. Now, that's what we call it. Boast in Jesus. So often... We lose perspective. We, you know, we even lose relationships because we're, we're looking at the one thing that's wrong. The one thing that person did that was wrong and we forget the thousands of things they've done right. And, and we lose perspective. We often judge people according to their worst day. We like to be judged according to our best day. But we judge others according to their bad moments and we lose relationships because simply we've lost perspective and we let one event cloud a long-standing relationship. How stupid is that? Perspective is powerful and, and, and to have confidence, you've got to make sure you don't lose your perspective. You know, what the serpent did in the garden well, was he was trying to get Eve to lose her perspective. Listen to this. You know, he said to her, did God really say, say to you, you shall not eat of every tree from the garden? No, it was just one tree. God said one tree, there was a whole lot of trees in the garden. But he said, did God say to you not to eat from every tree? You know, so often we turn, you know, little events you know, and then we use language like, you know, you always. How I many know that's a bad line to use in an argument? You know, you always. Really? Always? I always do that? You know, you, you never. You know, pretty different. Those lines, how many know, are going to escalate an argument? They're not uh, any married people here. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You always, you, you never. And, and it's an exaggeration that causes us to lose perspective. You know, one time, and this becomes an always. You know, every tree, there's just one tree. Just one tree, God said, hey, don't eat of that. You know, here's the thing. When it comes to confidence, you've got to know you already have it. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you have confidence. 
Listen to what, uh, what the writer of Hebrews says, 10, uh, 10 verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we, what we have, confidence to enter. Uh, how many know just because you have it doesn't mean you're accessing it? Uh, many of us have a phone. Right now, we have it in our pocket, but we're not. Well, some of you are accessing it. Get off Instagram. No. <laughs> but, but just because you have it doesn't mean you're accessing it. Uh, you're using it. You know, you can have stuff stored away in your cupboard at home and, and not even know it's there. Just because you have it does not mean you're using it. You now, we have stuff all the time that we have, but we're not using. And sometimes, you know, when it comes to confidence, we've got to understand we already have it. But, but you've got to use your confidence. You need to use it. We already have the, that virtue. How do we have that virtue? We have it by the power of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. See, God wants you to know today you have confidence to enter the most holy place. Some of us look around the room and go, well, man, that person, they just can access God whenever they want. And we think that they're the super spiritual ones. No, here's the deal. Because of what Jesus has accomplished, we all have access to the fullness of who God is. Now, we're part of the new covenant. In the old covenant, you know, the priests go in, and if they got it wrong, they were dead. So, hey, it's like, oh, I don't know if I have confidence to go in. No, but we're part of the new covenant. And because we're part of the new covenant, Here's the deal, we have confidence. Uh, Let's read this out. Uh, Hebrews, again, this scripture's loaded. And I pray it hits the mark. Verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Some of you came in this morning, you worship, but you haven't drawn near. You sung lyrics, but you haven't drawn near. Let us, it says, let us draw near with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What's happening here? Uh, what the writer's doing is he's helping us see where our confidence comes from. Just quickly, three things. Where does your confidence, uh, confidence come from? Number one, it comes from a clear conscience. A clear conscience. Uh, it's kind of hard to be full of confidence when you have a troubled conscience. Yeah, even to preach confidently. When you've got unaddressed issues in your life. It's pretty hard when things are nagging in the background, when you've got things going on. It's not that we have issues. It's, it's that we have unresolved issues. And what I find the enemy loves to play on the most is unfinished business. Uh, unfinished business. And, and he'll use the unfinished business to, to erode our confidence. Some of you, you're lost your confidence because you've violated your conscience. 
And, and, and when you violate your conscience, what happens? We're like Adam and Eve, we go hiding. <laughs> no, it's hard to hide from God. But we think we're hiding. But, but God sees us. And now that we've violated our conscience, what we do is now we, we can't really look even others in the eye because we're hiding. Because we've got, you know, text messages that we don't want others to see. Some of us history on the internet that, that, that we're ashamed of. Or we've got unresolved bitterness. And so instead of being confidently, uh, instead of confidently going up to another person, we, we have to dart over to the other side of the street, hoping they w won't notice us. And, and shame comes on our lives. See? See, the devil knows this all too well, and if he can't get to your calling, we've established that. He can't get to your calling. What he does is he attacks your confidence. And he'll get to your confidence through your conscience. And, and he'll tempt you with things that will defile your, your, your conscience. And once he's got that, you lose confidence. Here's the deal. To come into the presence of God requires confidence. Can I say that again? To come into the presence of God requires confidence. And the presence of God is the only place where you can get your conscience cleansed. You can see how the devil uses this as a downward spiral. Oh, well, you know, I've said my, con my conscience is, I've got troubled conscience here. I can't enter the presence of God. So he stops you entering the very place where your conscience can be cleansed. But we need to be confident no matter what we've done, no matter what we've gone through, we can confidently and boldly into his throne room this morning. Come on, this is good news. Knowing that, that he sprinkles pure water on us and he cleanses us. See, some of us have stopped coming to church when we've needed to come to church the most. Come on, I want to look down the camera right now to all those people sitting at home. Some of you, oh, I couldn't go down there. You know, even unsaved people, they say, well, if I came to church, I'd get struck by lightning. No, that's not how it works. That's old covenant thinking. New covenant, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Come on, you can confidently come into His presence this morning. Come on, that's good news. You can access God. You can come, not ashamed. go, oh, well, I can't come feeling guilty. You know, the devil wants to do everything he can to isolate you. But the confidence in my relationship does not come from my behavior. It comes from the blood of his son. It comes, you know, when those drops hit the ground, mercy hit my life. That's how, it comes from the blood of the son. Grace covered me, it covered my past, it covers my present, and it covers my future. It doesn't mean, well, I just enter into sin. No, that's not how it works. If you really understand grace, you won't want to sin. 
If you, you really understand it, you want to live according to what Jesus commands. He said, if you love me, you'll do what I command. Yeah, it, it means, uh, here's the deal. You can walk into his presence with your head held high. Like, like a child of God. You're, you're no longer a slave to fear. Come on, you're no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of the Most High God. You're a child of God. Come on in. God's saying, hey, come. Come on in. I know what you've been doing. Come on in. I know what you did in your teenage years. Come on in. I know what went on at that party. I know you crossed some lines. I know, know what happened. Come on in. I know that argument you had that went out of control and you know you lost it and you, you, you violated your conscience. You did things that you never thought you'd do. Come on in. I, I know what's going on. I, I, I know what happened. I even know the thoughts that you're thinking. Those thoughts that have run through your mind. And here, God says, come on in. See, Christian confidence does not come from your ability to conform to a set of behaviors. That's old covenants. We have a great high priest and his name is Jesus. And he is the source of my confidence. Clear conscience releases confidence. Second thing that releases confidence is a community. A community. You know, some of our confidence can get shaken from time to time. That's why we need others around us. Now, not just anyone, we need a community of believers. Uh, let's look at what the writer of Hebrews says in, in verse 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. You know, many people would have received revelation. And shout, ah. you know, sometimes it only takes two days to start wavering. You know, two days. You get back into your work environment. You have somebody saying something negative. You know, you have something that cast out, and it's like we get a moment of revelation, and next minute, well, oh, did God really say that? I don't know. I am. I really saved, and and we we start questioning things. Now, it says, let's hold on unswervingly to the hope we profess for. He who promised is what? He is? Come on, everybody say that. He who promised is? Faithful. We serve a faithful God. And it says, and let us consider how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. So what's the role of the church? It's to spur one another on. To spur, you know, to stir it up. You know, that, that some people get upset. Oh man, they're always trying to get me involved. Well, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's like, you know, they have mates. They'll go, hey, come on, let's go to a drink. Like, yeah, yeah. But it's like, oh, come to the group. Oh, no. It's like, yeah, come on, you've got to realize what the enemy's in and what God's in. Yeah, I'm saying, spur one another up to change the world to make a difference, to reach out to somebody, to, to share their faith. That's a good thing. That, that's, a, that's a great thing. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. So don't give up this. You know, people you know, say, well, I can be a Christian by myself. I go, oh, really? You know, you, you've taken Scripture, just one part of Scripture, 
and you're taking it out of context. You've got to, the context. We're, we're called to live vertical but also horizontal. And it's by how we love one another we're known as, as Christ's disciples. He says, don't give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing. Yeah, some do that. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So here's the deal. When it comes to church, what are we called to do? Encourage one another to gather together. Encourage. Come. See. And it says, do it more. In other words, take it up a notch. As you see the day approaching, as you see, you know, as Christ's return is, is becoming more closer, come on, we should be doing it more, not less. Uh, we should say, hey, you need to gather together because there's something that happens when the body gets together. When believers get together, there's stuff that happens that can't happen by yourself. See, I need people in my life. I need people to keep me on track so I don't turn back, so I don't settle. I need people to inspire me, to encourage me, to help me get rid of my excuses. You know, I, I love hanging out with other believers because you know, I look at their life sometimes and I think, man, God's really honoring His work through their life. And I think, if God can do it for them, He can do it for me. See, the more you get around people who are changing the world, who are being used of God to make a difference in their world, the more you realize they're just normal people. They're just average normal people who've trusted in a sovereign God. Come on, not, let's not lift people up on a higher platform and go, oh, I could never do. No, they're just normal people. Yeah, you know, like Paul and Barnabas. It's like they, they miracles happening, different things. You know, in fact, it was Peter and John. And, and, and people wanted to lift them up as gods. Oh, these are Greek gods. They're amazing. But the leap that Peter and John went to just to show that they're average human beings, they ran through the street ripping off their clothes. I mean, no, that's a big deal. Just saying, we're just mere men. Sometimes when, when good things happen in our life and we know it's God, it's like, yeah, we go, yeah, that's us. But they went to great lengths, running through the street, ripping their clothes. Just saying, we're just like you. We're just like you. This is about Jesus. See, there will always be an opposition to you stepping forward and walking with confidence. And it will come from those who don't want to move forward. It will come from those who are not wanting to go in the same direction. Now, there will always be people who won't support, who won't endorse your decision to follow Jesus. That's why we need other believers. And sometimes it will come from people who are close to us. And God will test us and he'll say, well, I want to see whether this person's opinion is more important than me in your life. See, here's the deal. You've got to follow Jesus for yourself. But you can't follow Jesus by yourself. You've got to follow Him for yourself, but you can't follow Him by yourself. That's why we need a community. And 
You know, everybody in their head has a confidence committee. You know, there's a committee that sits in our head, and you know, in that committee, we've got a committee member called Past Experience. And, and he'll speak really quickly when you decide to do something new for God. Oh, you tried. Well, how did that work out last time? You tried that once. You, you got a committee member called self-loathing. Oh, you just need to have comfort. You got one called doubt. You, you got another one called loyalty. And it's where, where you have to be loyal. You know, it's this whole thing. You need to be loyal to the past rather than taking hold of your future. You need some people around your life who believe in the call of God on your life. Uh, they don't see you according to your old ways. They, they see you according to God's future and God's plan for your life. You know, we need group confidence because we all have doubts. And too many callings have been abandoned on the crossroads of confidence. And, and, and when the devil puts pressure on, it's a sign. Here's the thing. You've you got to recognize it. When the devil puts pressure on, it's a sign that you're in proximity to your promise being fulfilled. You're in proximity. It's close. It's going to happen. But you've got to Okay, third thing. Confidence is, is going to take consistency. It's going to take consistency if we could have the musicians up. It says, listen to this, not meeting together as some of them in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more. Somebody say all the more. All the more as you see the day approaching. How many know you don't go to the gym once and expect to have abs? You know, it's like, oh, we once, where's my abs? You know, I bought that ab flex. I used it once. Where's my abs? Some of us, you know, it's like we come to church and we use God like a genie. It's like, I rub it, you know, I rub the thing once and no, he didn't appear. Now, here's the deal. Confidence comes from consistency. It comes from consistency. And how many know when you have time pressure, when there's time pressure, your anxiety levels normally go up another notch? Uh, and they're determined often by your confidence. You know, r running live events is always fun because there's time pressure. There's time pressure. One thing I appreciated about Shout this year is there was a, a lot more ease in the whole thing because there was trust in relationships. You know, uh, one thing I loved at Shout is it's just that the, our relational maturity has gone to another level. It's like, okay, where? Once you go, is that person going to come good? Are they going to come through? Because how many know a lot of people have assigned roles and we're relying on a whole lot of people and you're relying on people to show up at the right time and deliver. You know, if they said yes, you know, we're counting on their yes. And there's a whole lot of other things that count on that yes. And, and, and because you know one another, it's got, like, you know, I, I just don't know them, them, their name. I know their character. And if they said yes, they won't let me down. If they strike you, they would have let me know if they're not. You know, that they, they, they would and, and because you've got that relational maturity happening on, 
What, what does it release? It releases confidence and it releases an ease in the air. Where once you'd be double checking, are you coming out? Are you coming? No, they've got this. Uh, they've got this. And, and, and consistency, just working together over time, has built confidence. Because people know their assignment, know what hangs on that assignment, and, and other people can have confidence they're going to actually perform that assignment. Now, now that's the same with God. When you do something consistently, you get to know His, his character and His nature. See, many people believe God can, but they still question whether God will. I, I know He can. He's Almighty God. But I still have doubts when it comes to whether He will. Whether He'll do this for me. But consistency. You know, you see the faithfulness of God in the small things. You reach out in faith in small things, you see His faithfulness. Which then what? It gives you the confidence to trust Him with a little bit more. You, you prove God in the small things. And as you prove Him in the small, it's in your, hey, I can prove God in bigger things because I'm confident. Just as He did it in the past, He'll do it again in Jesus. He's done it before, but if you don't have any past experience, it's like, you know, you're launching out, it's like, oh. And you doubt. And you question. Which stops the very thing you're asking for come about. You know, maybe you're not confident not confident in God, some of this because we simply show up once a month. We read our Bible in an emergency. You know, flick through our Bible, God, give me a word, give me a word. Ah. <laughs> Come on, how many have done that before? Come on, you can be honest in this place. We read it, yeah, but we don't have a consistent pattern. And so, so we do that, and yeah, we may get a word in that moment. Sometimes, how many, how many have ever done that before and got something that's not right? And it's like, oh man, so you do it again? Ah. And we wonder why we're not confident. It's because we have no pattern of consistency. Yeah, you, you embrace a behavior, but you don't embrace a hard attitude. See, you've got to understand the difference. A behavior is something that you put on and you take off. Confidence is more than a behavior. See, me and many can't put it on, take it off. It's a behavior we put on in an emergency, then we take it off. But, but confidence is not meant to be a behavior, it's a heart attitude. And, and when you embrace the heart attitude, the behavior flows automatically. It's not forced. It's like, yeah, I, I do this every day. You know, somebody once asked Serena Williams how she handles pressure moments. She goes, well, it's just tennis and I play a whole lot of it. It's just another ball, yeah. And what, doing it all the time means in those pressure moments, it's just like, I'm just hitting another ball. I've done this a lot. I'm just doing what I've practiced, what I've been... It, it's not like I'm putting on a behavior for that moment. 
It's not like I'm placing my confidence in God just for that moment, for that deal. And then I'm going to trust in myself. No, everything about my life, everything that I do is founded on Him and His goodness and His grace. See, it's on Him. Uh, See, you find people who have a confidence in God, they just have a tremendous peace. Uh, Forgiveness. We we just forgive people. It's something that we do all the time. And so when it comes to somebody who really offends us, it's just something I can, wow, I'm not going to struggle with this. I've got confidence in God. You know, if somebody's wronged me, you know, vengeance is not mine, saith Sam. You know, God will, if the enemy, you know, he will. He will look at, I don't need to fight for myself. I've got a God in heaven, almighty God, fighting on my behalf. What gives me confidence is this. uh, Yeah, here's the deal. When it comes to confidence is you've got to take responsibility for your own confidence. I'm just about to finish. Well, my iPad just went onto Instagram. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) That's compensation. Here here we go. Hebrews chapter 10. Listen to this. I started with this. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Don't do it. That implies you have it. So it's your responsibility. It's nobody else. It's your responsibility. Your confidence is your responsibility. Nobody took it from you. They can't take it from you because they didn't give it to you in the first place. (laughs) They can't take it from you. If your confidence, godly confidence is from God, nobody can take it from you. You know, the devil will try and he'll try and taunt you. It's like there's a picture of this with David fighting Goliath. It's it's every, every day. The Israelites will get up in the morning, they'll dress, get ready for battle, confident. We're going to take out this giant. Then they'll get to the battlefield and they'll be taunted by this giant. And they'll cower away in fear. Get up the next morning, put on the battle armor. This is the day. Get to the battlefield and there was a taunting. That would happen. Enemy just taunt, questions. You know, every day. Some of us, it's, it's like that. We get up, we get in moments like this, we get a shower, we, get, we put on a battle. Like, ah, I'm going to take this giant out. And then we get to the moment and we lose our confidence. Enemy taunts us, reminds us, plays with our mind. We start listening to that confidence committee. And we get there only to have our confidence shattered day after day. But I love what the psalmist said. And I really believe this is word from God for some people here because you know what it's been like to be taunted by the enemy. Who are you to believe that? After what you have done. You know, it's all right for them. Enemies taunted you too long, but we're going to overcome that. And I like what the psalmist says, Psalm 119 verse 41. It says, may your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. 
Come on, that's good, isn't it? Come on, that's great. Where's your trust? It's not in how you feel. It's not in what you look like. It's not in your ability. Your trust is in what? It's in His Word. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord. Your salvation according to your promise. You've promised me. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me. Anyone who taunts me. For I trust in your word. When taunts are knocking on the door, you need to have an answer to those taunts. And if the word of God is not in you, you go up and down. But when the word of God is firmly placed in you, you have an answer to every weapon that the enemy uses against you in Jesus' name. Come on, don't throw away your confidence. Come on, as a church, we can be confident. Come on, we can be confident in every promise and everything that, come on, I, I really believe God wants to take us to a new level of faith in Jesus. And confidence is the attitude of faith. It's not just in a moment. I really believe as we walk into our work week, as we go into a new term at school, as we approach a new course, whatever it may be, be confident. Come on, you have a confidence that only can come from God in Jesus' name.